What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by NFL Sunday Ticket Fan Draft on Bet Online. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. As always, joined by my co-host, the co-owner over at Rotoviz.com. That is Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, as we I say this every time we have a guest, we uh, we kind of we don't have guests very often, but today we do have a guest jumping aboard the show. Joining us in just a little moment is going to be Scott Barrett. So uh, I'm looking forward to diving into that. You and Scott uh, had a, a great conversation with Curtis Patrick a couple of weeks ago um, on the Dynasty Command Center that I, I really enjoyed. So looking forward to having this one today. But as we start each show, Sean, how are you doing this week? Great. It's been a lot of fun to see all the different drafts going out there right now i'm participating in the apex experts writers draft uh, over there obviously at apex with mike brody uh, uh, someone who occasionally contributes to the site but certainly a, a very strong friend of the site we love mike and they do a great job at apex and that's been a fun draft to to be involved in and taken uh some slightly different approaches than than in some of the drafts and it's been fun to to do that experimentation there as well yeah, and I think I, usually uh, anytime Sean does a, a draft, we usually review it at some point, so you never know that might sneak into next week's shows. But on both shows this week, we're going to be joined by Scott Barrett, and he's going to be coming on in just a second. But before we do that, it's time to hit the FFPC stat attack. Yeah, a lot of great FFPC drafts going on right now with Scott on the show today. And we're going to be talking about Bell Cow running backs, a new article that he has out and talking about his philosophy for running back drafting. I know a lot of uh, listeners would be excited to hear something a little bit different than our normal wide receiver heavy approach, but that goes very nicely with the FFPC and their format that is a little bit running back heavy. I think we would say the two running back, two wide receiver double flex allows you not only to fade wide receiver a little bit if you would like but also if you hit on more than just your two running backs you can slide those guys into the flex spots but with bell cows being the focus our ffpc stat attack for the day is going to look at christian mccaffrey and christian mccaffrey obviously going number one in all formats not a surprise to see him at the top in terms of most of those bell cow stats uh, he outscored his expected volume last year, but still that those volume levels were incredibly high. Some listeners might be surprised to know that he was expected to score almost 25 points per game based on his touches. And with it being 25 points per game, it's no surprise that he's one of those rare backs with double-digit expected points as both a runner and a receiver. He averaged 11.5 rush EP 13.3 receiving EP. So kind of crazy for someone to be in that double-digit 
rush EP category and still have more expected points as a receiver. Obviously, anybody who's watched Christian McCaffrey play is maybe not surprised by that. But those numbers are really pretty mind-boggling, even for someone like Christian McCaffrey, who we've seen score just an incredible number of points. Yeah, I actually had uh, my home league draft this past weekend. I uh, had to do it online, obviously with the current situation, but I uh, had the 101 on that. So it was the easiest selection I've ever made with that 101. I didn't have any debate, any any thoughts on it at all. It was uh, simply Christian McCaffrey. So uh, those stats there, uh, you know, backing up what he did um, last season. Of course, the FFPC stat attack by the FFPC is the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty Best Ball and, of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head on over to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And, of course, check out the website for those tools specifically designed for FFPC domination. So let's jump straight into it with Scott. Sean and yourself have played in the MFL 10 death over the last couple of years and you know Sean Sean we've talked about in the show before has had quite a quite a number of uh, titles and that quite a bit of success but you did break his streak uh, with your own title in 2019 so there's lots of a different you know strategies that we can implement in those drafts and Sean's as well known your your own as well known as well and there's probably not a huge difference when we look at it overall the, the strategies might sound very different but I think again it's a little bit that people using those strategies might be misunderstanding the the situation so obviously sean's well known for zero rb and bell tower bust is something that that you've been publicizing uh, with those two ideas see for example what way are you defining a bell cow in terms of what what fits into that criteria yeah this is tricky i i used to define it very strictly as uh only running backs who saw 66 percent of their team's snaps, carries, and backfield targets in games active in a given season or a given game, and that would make them a bell cow. But I I really don't think that's the best way to look at it. Rather, uh, I want to look at it on a spectrum. Was Chris Carson uh, a bell cow last year? I don't know. Maybe Christian McCaffrey was. Derrick Henry wasn't. And and Carson was certainly more a bell cow than Derrick Henry, less a bell cow uh, than Christian McCaffrey. But the the uh, you could also look at it by team expected fantasy point market share. I, I like that one quite a bit as well. Um, but yeah, really a bell cow running back is an every down player who's used extensively both as a runner and a receiver. Uh, the two the three most important valuable metrics uh, for fantasy and predictive fantasy running backs uh, it's total yards at the top and then it's weighted opportunity which just appropriately weights the value of a, a carry and a target. Remember, a target's going to be 2.7 times as valuable as a carry in PPR leagues. Uh, and then snaps, which is like the, the big surprise, like well above touches, well above opportunities. Um, snaps, and, and that's a big thing. You want the running backs around the field constantly. Uh, but a bell cow running back is a running back who's not going to have a lot of in-position competition. They're going to rank highly in snaps, carries, target snap share carry share target share and that's going to be regardless of whether the team is winning losing tied or in the red zone and then on the opposite end of the spectrum or yet well you have a handcuff too but a, a committee running back is going to be you know whether a team is splitting the snaps between two running backs 60 40 50 50 three running backs 40 30 30 or it's going to be one of those situations where uh one running back just has one role and that's as the early down workhorse. And then the other running back has a role in the passing game where 
They're the scat back, the, the passing down back. That's going to be a committee. I, I'm avoiding those guys unless I think a running back can become a bell cow. If I think J.K. Dobbins can supplant Mark Ingram based on talent, I'm, I'm chasing him. Or if, or if um, you know, Latavius Murray is is going in round 12, I think he has top five upside. And uh, I'll take him as a handcuff just because I think he has you know bell cow potential should Alvin Kamara suffer an injury. Uh, but a, a pure um, one-dimensional running back, I think, is going to be stuck in a committee no matter what. Like, I know one of Sean's guys, Tariq Cohen, that's a guy I'm fading because I, I don't think he has bell cow potential. But but that's – anyway, long story short, that's how I define it. Scott, when you're looking at these guys and you're talking about total snaps, total touches, all those kinds of things that get people on the field and make them dynamic scorers and players for fantasy the low value touches that a lot of these running backs get they might not play much of a role in terms of fantasy scoring but they might play a role in terms of making sure that running back is on the field for the running back touches that do matter how do you balance sort of this exposure to low value touches versus the risk of injury yeah so so that's a great point just in terms of what we're looking at for running backs and in in terms of value Red zone opportunities, targets, so much more valuable than like outside the red zone carries. Um, so, so outside the red zone target is worth 3.3 times as much as an outside the red zone carry. But I, I think what you're saying is correct. And which is why, you know, I think snap share is so important. Snaps, again, you don't get fantasy points for being on the field blocking as a running back. But still, even so, snaps correlate better to fantasy points uh, than touches, which is so bizarre to me. Like how often do you score negative points in a touch? Uh, how many, how often do you score zero fantasy points in a touch and still snaps on its own correlated better? So that's why I think, you know, looking at it from snap share, carry share, target share, even including those empty, um, you know, sort of valueless carries outside the red zone uh, is important because like you said, that factors into the money touches like targets, like red zone opportunities. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. And with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, you'll never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Simply use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription visit nflsundayticket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Today's show is also brought to you by Fandraft, the fantasy football online draft board. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with Fandraft. Fandraft has some awesome features. I've been testing them out over the last couple of weeks, as I mentioned on last week's show. They make your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. It can be used online or offline for in-person drafts. All you have to do is export the display and show it via projector or a large screen TV for your whole league to enjoy. Fandraft also can be set up for pretty much any customization to meet your league's requirements. And the good news is if you sign up to Fandraft.com, you can get a free trial, but you can also get yourself a discount off a pro account when you're ready to make the leap. You can use the code RotoViz15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's Fandraft.com. Use the promo code RotoViz15 to save 15%.
obviously as well when we look at you know the bell car bus scenario that fits in with a, a piece you wrote this offseason talking about upside how important is the bell cow running back you know for creating the upside you want in your roster and when you're making that decision as well i guess on somebody who's just getting a lot of snaps or somebody who's like you mentioned at the start you know derrick henry and chris carson what's the decision made there based on the upside of who you want to have on the roster yeah, that, that's really why I'm so heavily bell cow or bust. It's just, you know, what, what is an, a mid-range RB2 worth? It's worth just about nothing to me. Like, I just don't don't really care at all. The difference between the, start, the starting RB20 and the RB36 over the past five years was worth about 2.6 fantasy points per game. That's nothing compared to the difference between the RB7 and the RB20 each week, which was 5.7 fantasy points per game. Uh, really, I want those running backs who are going to be top seven fantasy producers, ideally, you know, top five, top three, the number one. Um, and, and, and really, the league winners year after year are the, the, the league's bell cow running backs. Uh, Stathole Sports does the, invented something called uh, uh, Fantasy War, which I, I just think is like one of the coolest things to come out in a number of years. And just looking at that, um, 20 of the top 25 league winners over the past seven seasons were running backs. And then of those, every single running back had a snap share uh, of, oh, every every running back minus one had a snap share of 65% or higher. Every running back minus two had a snap share of 70% or higher. So really like league winners are typically bell cow running backs, the highest echelon fantasy producers and what was upside wins championships all about. It was basically that, you know, a a well-constructed team of ADP beaters where almost every single position is a guy who beat their, their ADP in your starting lineup is still nowhere near as valuable as the, the right team that drafted just the one or two uh, league winners in a given season. Um, That's evidenced by, you know, Upside wins championships and bell cow or bust is less valuable in best ball leagues, but using Mike Beer's data over at your site, you can, you can figure out that uh, last season, teams that drafted just Christian McCaffrey uh, had a higher win rate than teams that drafted Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Derrick Henry. So the wide receiver one, the wide receiver two, and the RB3, uh, that's just crazy to me. I, of course, you're going to get outlier years. Actually, last year was a great year for outlier seasons. You have Derrick Henry. Um, you have um, uh, bell cow running backs in Le- uh, Aaron Jones, another handcuff who went off. And then you have bell cows in Leonard Fournette and uh, Le'Veon Bell who disappointed. Uh, but this was like sort of an outlierish year and, and really um, – you know, everything had to work against Leonard Fournette, like the worst touchdown variance I've ever seen. Um, and he still, you know, was a, was a highly productive running back. He was still uh, a dependable week to week option when you can't say the same for uh, committee running backs. Scott, when we look at this importance of upside and we look at also how it factors in the cost, in a lot of ways you're suggesting that cost is irrelevant to an extent if you can find those guys but then we do have this issue of, you know, how do we find them? Where do, where do they sit? When we're looking at running backs, and, and a lot of things I'm hearing you say suggests that for the most part, you, know, you would actually agree with this idea of, okay, in the first half of the first round, definitely hit those guys because those guys are almost certainly the league winners or where the league winners are going to come from. 
After that, running backs actually decline in value pretty precipitously. And most of those running backs, including many of the running backs drafted in rounds two, three, four, five, are actually not worth very much at all. Is that the case? And when you're looking at the importance of bell cow running backs and running back touches, what's the relationship of cost to upside? And how does that factor in, let's say, the wide receiver upside that you might be giving up? So I just absolutely love the the mid-round wide receivers this season. Like Hollywood Brown, I think, is just a wide receiver one with a wide receiver three price tag. Uh, Deontay Johnson is, I mean, he, he's another one, another one whose ADP has has climbed recently. Um, but he's another guy I, I have a ton of exposure to. Antonio Brown, I think, has league winning upside in the second half. And, you know, he's, he's basically free. Um, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rieger are, are two other uh, heavy targets for me. Uh, but you were just saying that, you know, typically the round two, three, four running backs, um, I guess the hit rate on that isn't so good. First of all, I don't think that the hit rate matters too, too much uh, because again, sure. The hit rate isn't, isn't great, let's say, uh, but that is where you're going to find your league winners. And it's kind of worth just like taking that swing. And even if you miss, just hoping for the best, uh, just because having a, you know, a high end running back, as I've shown in anatomy of a league winner in this article is just so much more valuable than uh, having a high end wide receiver or having a high end uh, tight end. But just to, to the point of, of whether or not ADP is that uh, effective in the early rounds, I, I actually think it is. So in order to be a, a league winner with a high win rate, typically it's better to have a lower ADP. You know, it, it, you don't have to outproduce your expectation as much. But looking at the, the top league winners since 2017 by win rate, which I, I did in Anatomy of a League Winner, came out a few weeks ago, 47% of the, the top running backs came in the first two rounds. 65% came in the first four rounds. And then you can contrast that to wide receivers, where just 16% uh, were drafted in the first two rounds. So um, I, I really do think that the best way to go is, is running back early, just you have the best chance at drafting those, those league winners. Um, and, and, and typically uh, you're, you're not going to find them in the early rounds. All this being said though, I'm not Sean Siegel. I'm not like the world's best middle to late round running back drafter. So like, I know you have a method that works and it, and has proven to be successful, but uh, I've had a lot of success doing it this way. And I, I'm, I'm not sure I could be successful doing it your way. Yeah. So you, you mentioned some of those um, later round guys that we've hit on. That, that's very friendly of you to do. Uh, in, in terms of these bell cow running backs, and one of the things that kind of struck me in reading your article on this and how you were talking, kind of talking about the difference between running back one through seven and then the running backs after that is that there are actually a lot of guys going in rounds two, three, four that don't fit your criteria and that you would be avoiding. So are, are there some really high profile guys that you would want us to uh, make sure that we stay away from in those rounds? We, we talk a lot about how the top four rounds and especially rounds three through, you know, three through four, three through five. I mean, that's just pure landmine area where you could argue that what you're doing is seeding your roster with downside. Now, not everybody agrees with that, but are there specific landmine guys that even with, your more running back heavy approach that you're definitely trying to avoid? Yeah. So my, my exposure for quarterback, let's say is like, is pretty wide. Um, I cast a wide net. Let's say I've, I've done a bunch of high stakes leagues, a bunch of best ball leagues. Um, 
And really my strategy is just wait until my league mates start drafting backups and then just draft my favorite of whoever's left over for wide receiver. It's sort of just like grab value where I see it. Like I said, I had a lot of exposure to those three guys, but there's a bunch of other you know, guys all over the place, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, sure, let's let's go. What what the heck? But running back, my exposure is just is really highly concentrated. Um, and yes, there are some absolute landmines I'm avoiding. Derrick Henry in the first round, uh, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Nick Chubb in the early second round, no interest whatsoever. Aaron Jones mid second, no thank you, not not at all. Um, and and really that goes back to you know, they do not have bell cow potential, not without an injury to another running back. Nick Chubb needs Kareem Hunt um, to suffer an injury. I think uh, like what happens, what what needs to happen for these guys to absolutely smash? They need basically everything Derrick Henry had last year, which was hyper, hyper efficiency, unsustainably great efficiency numbers that are bound to regress. Never bet on those guys. Um due for a massive regression. He needs unbelievably great game scripts. Like maybe you called him last year, but I don't think you called Ryan Tannehill leading the league in passer rating. He needs amazing game script. Christian McCaffrey can score 20 plus fantasy points per game on the worst offense in football, but I don't, I don't think Derek Henry would hit, you know, double did uh, double digits as his fantasy point per game average. Uh, and you really just need a ton of things working your way in order to possibly become a top seven fantasy running back where for a bell cow running back, it's a lot easier. Plus week to week, you're going to be more predictable, uh, more consistent, uh, which matters in a start sit league, but maybe it doesn't matter so much in a best ball league. Running back tactics as well. Obviously we're seeing it here on this show, but the, uh, it's always kind of a flashpoint, uh, no matter where you kind of go in, in fantasy circles, whether that's online or in person. But, um, you know, in terms of how we attack different formats in different ways, you know, over the last couple of months, myself and Sean have talked a lot about it in terms of baseball. But uh, if we talk specifically to dynasty, do you change or alter the approach there? Or is it, is it just the same, same approach and target in those bell cows? No, it's absolutely different. Uh, in, in best ball, being a bell cow running back is, is not as important as in a start-sit league. Um, going running back early, I think, is is not so much the optimal strategy as it is, especially in start-two running back, start-two wide receiver um, redraft leagues. Uh, and then in dynasty, I, I, yeah, there, there's really only like 10 running backs I'd be excited to draft, maybe less. And it's like those few rare bell cow running backs. It's the, you know, Dalvin cooks of the world, uh, the Miles Sanders of the world. Uh, and then it's the rookies, like, you know, guys who clearly are ascending in value, not diminishing in value. Uh, and, and the big reason why I do that is because it's just so hard for running backs to retain value. Uh, they are more injury prone. They are more prone to catastrophic injury. Um, you know, they're, their career in the NFL is much shorter than other NFL positions. Uh, you know, fall off efficiency cliffs really quickly. They can get replaced so much more easily uh, than other positions or, you know, a bell cow can quickly become a committee back. So they're just basically, they're fragile, they're sensitive, their values, fragile and sensitive. Uh, and because of that, I, I weight that appropriately when, when doing my drafts, I do prioritize other positions, especially after those first, X running backs, first 10 running backs, let's say. You mentioned that you also think that uh, running back 
functions a little bit differently in best ball. And, and this is interesting because now we have a couple of best ball leagues together last year's MFL 10 of death. And then this year's, I was interested in to see if you were going to go in a little bit different direction or not, since obviously you won last year, which was really cool there. You have your approach in 2019 was a running back time for a start. Now you mentioned Mike Beer's tools earlier, which uh, they're absolutely fantastic. Our listeners know to, to go in there, check out the roster construction explorer. The roster construction explorer tells us it's very, very difficult to start with a running back times for start and win. The win rates and the top six percentages are just super low when you start that way. But you also did something crucial that a lot of running back heavy owners don't do. And that's that once you got to four running backs, you stopped. And so uh, there's actually this very important dynamic where if you're going to go that running back heavy to begin, you have to stop with only four and get an extra position in there, really an extra sort of lottery ticket wide receiver. And we'll get to who your lottery ticket wide receiver and why that made such a big deal uh, in just a moment. But let's talk about the running back situation first. Now, you won despite your running backs in round three and four busting so kind of what we'd expect from the running back dead zone even though a lot of running backs in that range actually did well last year when you have the four running backs to start and you have a couple of busts in there is that something where it was actually pretty frustrating that the round three and round four guys didn't pay off or was something where you wanted exposure to those four running backs because that gives you four tickets and even if some of them don't pay off you're still going to have access and exposure to those high-end guys no, no, actually, I think you're just giving me too much credit. Uh, I just wasn't <laughs> reading your your articles and Beer's articles. And yeah, it's glaringly a, a suboptimal strategy for best ball. And I just sort of screwed up, but I drafted the right players and made up for it. For, for the people, for the folks at home who aren't aware of the MFL 10 of death, it's this, you know, b- best ball league that's been going on for, I don't know, like seven or eight years. And I've been desperate to get into this league for, you know, the first five years or so. And every single year, Sean wins. It's like really absurd. And if, I think if maybe like the one or two seasons you didn't win, you finished like second place. So they finally let me in uh, two years ago. I finished third place. And then last year I was like, all right, this is my year. I'm going to do it. Uh, Sean sniped me on Lamar Jackson, the pick before me. I was furious. Um, but, uh, you know, I loved my team overall. And, you know, week one, I had this massive, you know, explosion week one. I'm just like, I'm like, yes, I feel it. This is my year. I'm finally going to beat Sean. I'm going to be the one to do it. And then Sean emails me and he's like, hey, great job in the MFL 10 of death. Uh, you're going to win this year. Uh, you, you crushed it. And it just like took the, the air out of my tires. Like, like, yeah, damn, like, even if I do win, like Sean, Sean called it and I did win. And, and you called in the week one, which is like even more impressive than, than me winning with this team. We're going to, we're going to talk about some of those guys here in a second, but your late round draft picks were absolutely extraordinary there. It, so you mentioned that, and then we went into this year and you have Christian McCaffrey and I'm like, okay, he's going to draft McCaffrey and then he's going to hammer us with all of these wide receivers. And we're just going to all get destroyed because someone who knows what they're doing and gets to start with McCaffrey, then you know it's it's pretty hard to lose. Now I'm probably going to challenge that with what I'm currently doing in the Apex draft, but you actually went away from what I thought you might do because a couple of your key guys fell. You had McCaffrey, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Obviously, that looks even better now uh, with the opt out, and then Josh Jacobs. 
So again, you only drafted four guys. You took the three guys to start and then um, Howard really late. Uh, tell me about what you did this year, what you like, what you don't like about it. T- to be fair, I, I have read way more of your guys' stuff since this draft. And uh, I do think like three running backs to start was suboptimal, especially when getting Christian McCaffrey at the 101. But at the same time, it's like, I would do this again. It's just like I, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a must, must draft for me in round two. And this is the latest I've, I've ever gotten him. And then Josh Jacobs, like another guy, like why is he 301? That, that shouldn't be the case at all. Uh, Jordan Howard was, was probably sort of a mistake. Um, another thing I, I found too, through your articles, but also through Beers' like ridiculously awesome tool is that I, I don't, I, I haven't been placing a high enough value on quarterbacks. It's just clear that quarterbacks are so much more important than I thought. Like I'm used to redraft, which is where your, um, you know, obviously, you know, like devalue quarterback, it's, it's worthless. It's a onesie position, you know, focus on running backs and wide receivers. But um, in this, I guess it's just because it's such a high scoring position and the week to week variance is so high that really like the win weights are clear, are clear. You know, you don't want to draft a quarterback too late at two to three running to quarterbacks and like round 10 through 12 is, is really optimal. Uh, and I, I really didn't place a high enough uh, value on quarterback. Um, and maybe going so running back heavy is going to hurt me, but I'm I'm hoping it's just a matter of, Hey, I I drafted the right players and and these guys are going to be, um, you know, starting every week plus in the, in the flex. And then a 13 round pick on Jordan Howard's not going to hurt me too much and could cover my bases for their down weeks or if one of them gets and obviously sean was teasing it there a minute ago obviously about talking about some of those late round picks from last year and some of your favorite late round picks from this year and uh we're gonna we're gonna leave it at that with a tease uh sean was hoping to jump it in on today's show we're gonna save that for thursday's podcast so make sure you're back and ready to listen to that one as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount to a one year subscription you can do that by using the code 2020 rv radio at checkout or check out rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for further information as always leave us a rating and review you on your favorite podcast app it does help us out a lot and that's going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland joined as always by sean siegel and today we had a special guest who'll be joining us later in the week again it is scott barrett of fantasy points and you can follow him on twitter at scott barrett dfb so until we're back later in the week have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back, and there's no better place to start betting and wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online has sat down with a number of former pro players, including Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a the series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use the promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your welcome bonus when you sign up to BetOnline. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.